Hello, and blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, February the 13th, 2022. Our pastor, Scott Gordon, continues his study in Healthy Habits with today's sermon focused on fasting. And now to Pastor Scott. And I invite you as we begin this morning to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll mention Matthew chapter 7, Luke 18, and a few others along our way this morning. As we continue our emphasis in healthy habits, developing those aspects of our lives that God has given to us, commanded of us in His Word, for our good and for His glory, those habits that are for strengthening and making us spiritually healthy. We began talking about God's Word. We are now talking about the issue or the opportunity of prayer uh, in our lives. And then today we'll be looking at fasting alongside prayer and the fact that there is a promise of answer to those prayers that we pray. Now I have a question for you as we begin this morning is, what do people who fast look like? You take time to think about that. What do people who fast look like? Now what is what pops into your mind when you hear that? Is it some kind of picture of John the Baptist out in the desert? Maybe he's got long hair. If you've watched The Chosen, he kind of looks like, you know, uh, a kind of a tiny guy. And I mean, come on, he wears animal skins and eats locusts. That sounds like fun. Is there a picture that maybe someone who fasts is just some kind of a health nut? All right. I mean, that's all that we do. And we are uh, all these aspects of healthy living when it comes to fasting for uh, physical reasons and things. And so we, we hear the word fasting. It's popular in our day for those reasons of health matters, but when we bring that into the context of our spiritual lives, suddenly we become maybe a little bit intimidated. And one writer I was reading this week says, we may be intimidated by the thought of being odd for God. That's that picture of fasting because if we're honest, fasting is not something we think about a lot. I, I can... I think probably count on one hand the number of sermons I've heard on fasting and the number I've preached on fasting. It's just something that we don't typically think about in Christianity in our lives in this day and time often. Not necessarily true in, in all aspects, in all facets of Christianity worldwide, but it may be the tendency more in, in our culture uh, and, and in our churches and in our lives personally. But listen to this, as if we weren't already intimidated by the thought of this issue. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 begins with this, Whenever you fast. I mean, does that make you... You know, get up that whole shocked emoji, kind of feel like that word, whenever. Because if we 
are going to say what we did about prayer last week, that Jesus said it's an expectation. It said, when you pray, whenever you pray, but pray like this, right on the heels of him talking about this very truth of prayer, giving us the model prayer, he turns that corner in verse 16 and says the same thing. Whenever or when you fast. <laughs> this means this is an expectation too. And so given that fact... We probably need to think a little bit more. We need to learn a little bit more about what fasting means for those of us who want to live a biblically faithful, God-focused life and not leave this part of the habit of prayer and our lives. And it, it, fasting goes beyond, but you often see fasting and prayer mentioned uh, in tandem together in scripture that's why i've chosen to incorporate this right here in this aspect of our lives because that is so often what is an important aspect of fasting and, and prayer walking hand in hand so we're going to take a moment this morning and really focus in on this opportunity i loved it when teachers said i had an opportunity in school it means here's your assignment and I believe that's very true. This is our assignment. And I'm saying our, not just mine and not just yours, but our assignment. So we need to, to dig maybe a little deeper or focus a little more than we have in, in our lives. Or, or maybe we did at one point, and we, we kind of experimented with fasting and then just kind of left it. Oh, I'll get back to it sometime. Or, oh, no, no, no big deal. So let's dig. First of all, let's understand what, when we talk biblically from our spiritual lives, what does fasting mean? Well, the definition in uh, Don Whitney's book, what a wonderful book on all of these different spiritual habits for us. He says this, first of all, that fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, let's say in this context that that's often where we focus when we think of fasting. And often that is a primary avenue for us to learn and understand the impact of fasting. But as you look and you read throughout Christian history, the picture of fasting is not limited to food because when we think about fasting sometimes and, and we're going to start talking about, okay, let's set aside food for another purpose. There's some who are going, hey, but my doctor has said I don't dare not eat in a given day because of some needs that I have physically in my life. And if that's the case, that definitely is not something that should ever be put aside. But there are an expanded view of fasting sounds like this. A theologian by the, the name of Richard Foster, also in Whitney's book, kind of said it like this. He says, fasting is the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. And so there are other avenues through which we can fast. I was talking to Jamie this week, and I used to say, it used to make me kind of amused that, you know, people would say, well, I'm going to fast from my computer, or I'm going to fast from TV, or, or something along those lines. 
And I'm going, dude, that's not what fasting is. It's food. It's this. The more you look at it, it is, there is something that is occupying our time that we could set aside that in and of itself is not bad. But for us to have a devoted and for a purpose, set that aside for our relationship with God, a circumstance in our life, and all of those things. We're going to look more at the kind of when and why and, and, and the hows of all of that here in just a second. But let's not just merely say, if you're going to talk about fasting, you're talking about the food stuff, and I'm, and I'm done. I, I, don't, I don't have to listen. Because all of us have something from which we can fast and allow us to incorporate this habit into our lives. So if we're going to say, okay, fasting in a broad spectrum kind of general definition fits within this category, and you notice that it is the abstinence of something for spiritual purposes, for intense spiritual activity. It is not merely an intermittent fast to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with losing weight. There's nothing wrong with incorporating those types of fast into our lives. But when we're talking about fasting from a spiritual benefit, there is a focal purpose for that in our lives. And so we need to kind of draw our attention this way. And I want to ask the questions next with fasting of the when and why. What are the biblical types of fasts? And since there are a number of them, we're going to move through them fastly. Bad pun, sorry. <clears throat> so I'm going to give some definitions that you're saying you're going to run right on past explaining it further. And the answer to that is absolutely I am. But I want to set kind of some definitions and some categories for us to come back to. So the biblical types of fast are like this. First of all, the normal fast. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2 reads like this. It says, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm not looking at the time frame. I'm looking for the description. And the normal fast, the typical fast that we think of, is the abstaining from food. It says of Jesus in that passage, after that time of fasting, he was hungry. And so it, that's what we think of as a, a normal fast. It doesn't say anything about drinking not having any water or anything of that nature. So this is that definition of normal fast. Then there's a, a defi- another type that is a partial fast. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 12 reads like this. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. We know the context of, of Daniel's conviction in not wanting to eat the rich food of the king. And it went against a, a, an internal conviction that was outlined for God's people. And he said, let us set down a test. And a partial fast is an adjusted diet of saying, hey, here's just the vegetables, water. Let us do this. Let the rest of the group do this. After 10 days, see how we're doing. And so that aspect of a partial fast is kind of an adjusted aspect to it. I can remember doing that, not in the sense of for spiritual purposes, but in the Boy Scouts, we had the group called the Order of the Arrow. And it was a service project group, and you got an honor for it. But what you had to go do is in one of the Boy Scout campgrounds that we used regularly, you had a work day. And we had an adjusted or a partial fast. All you got was like a peanut butter jelly sandwich and water. You know, and as growing boys, that's just not sufficient. You know, but we were out there, and that aspect was the minimal that was needed, but the focus was the work. Similar idea here with the idea of a partial fast. 
Another one is what would be considered an absolute fast. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 16 we read, Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that I will go to the king uh, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. This absolute fast is that abstaining from food and drink or water. It's that intense, immediate need that was there. That's what we would call maybe an absolute fast. Next one is a supernatural fast. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9 reads like this. When I went up the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant of the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat food or drink water. Now, this is not one I would put on my to-do list. Not saying that God can't do that in your life or mine like he did in Moses' life, but this is a supernatural event. Most nutritionist doctors will tell you, you don't go more than three days without drinking anything, without it killing you or severely impacting you, the dehydration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To have gone 40 days without food or anything to drink, is beyond the scope of our planning. God was working in a very supernatural, intensive way. And I would say meeting with God in the Ten Commandments qualifies. If you don't have that on your plan, maybe just recognize this one and we'll focus elsewhere. But it is a biblical fast that we see. Another one is the private fast. Matthew chapter 6, the text that we are in here, verse 18, reads like this. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so we see this idea of it being private or personal in this aspect. It is a you and God focus. You say, that's pretty typical. We're going to get to that in just a minute. The, what is most typical for us in, in our day and time in these types of fasts? And you would be well situated to say that private is one of them. Another type of fast in the Bible is congregational. Joel chapter 2 and verse 15 reads like this. It says, blow the ram's horn in Zion. Announce a sacred fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. And so we see that, that picture of the, the congregation, the, those of the worshipers, the followers of God being called together as an entire group for a focus. The solemn assembly in the Old Testament in Joel's day focuses that way and it says to announce a sacred fast. The next verse, verse 16 in there, talks about gathering the people, sanctify the congregation. It's a united focus among a group of the people of God. Another type of fast in the Bible is a national fast. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5 reads like this, Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Again, this is another one that is rare and it is often seen biblically, like here, as a response to God's call to a people or a nation. Another type of fast biblically is the regular fast. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 29 reads, This is to be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to practice self-denial. There's that concept for fasting. And do no work. 
both the native and the alien who resides among you. This is a set time. In the biblical days, this was around the celebration of the Day of Atonement. One of the festival days or feast days uh, of the Old Testament. There was then a focus of practicing self-denial. A fast that went alongside this. And it was regularly scheduled. We'd call it something like a habit. This was, again, kind of a collective habit, but it was also a personal responsibility. And then finally, the last biblical type of fast I'll share with you this morning is one that is called the occasional. No, that's not the just as you, you know, hey, you know, occasional. It is for a specific occasion. I'm going to go back to Esther chapter 4 and verse 16 where she said, Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Why? Because she's getting ready to go do something that she's not really sure how she should do it. She sees the need. She knows the potential consequences. And she wants others alongside her praying and fasting and seeking God for the wisdom needed in a certain situation on a certain occasion of all of these the most common today for us as christians are the normal the occasional and the private you say can the congregational be in there and yes and some other aspects there but if we're going to think most typically when I have the opportunity of including the, the habit of fasting in my life, it's going to look like that, maybe that normal fast. Giving up food or a specific situation or thing uh, in my life that I can set aside for an intense or a specific spiritual purpose in my relationship with God. It's going to be private. It's going to be about my focus with God in, in, in that time. And it may be on an occasion, but also developing that aspect of it being a habit is not something that should just be done only if the occasion arises. We'll get into that in just a moment. Well, that was the sprinting portion of our message. Try to just outline the what does the Bible have to say about fasting in general for God's people. And that was that overview picture. The next aspect I want us to see is, well, what does Jesus have to say about fasting? And that's why we've turned to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. Like I said, right on the heels of talking about prayer, he moves to this habit of fasting and he says this, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So what does Jesus have to share with us as he is in this Sermon on the Mount, the, this greatest of all sermons in the Bible, that, that you know, kind of primary focus that we have in Jesus' teaching ministry, what does he have to say and what is the encouragement we have? Well, I believe there's two basic encouragements we find. First, in verses 16 and 17, when he starts talking about fasting, he says, don't advertise it. Don't advertise it. He kind of does it in, in two different ways. First, it's kind of the negative command. When you're fasting, 
Don't try to look bad or pitiful. Don't go for that fasting look. Whatever that look you had earlier of somebody who is either miserable or is just kind of downtrodden or is just going, you know, you know, where's the, where's the dinner? You know, come on, you know, stuff like this. In that kind of picture, it says they, they make their faces, uh, what is that word that was used there again? Unattractive. So that their fasting is obvious to people. That idea of just trying to let people know in that way. It says instead of advertising on the positive end, it says look normal. Whatever normal is for you. Or me. When you see there in verse 17, it says when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. It's basically get up like a normal day. You know what God has led you to do, so do it. Nobody else needs to be in on it when God has called you to do it. Now, maybe you want to, at times, get a couple of people to go, hey, like Esther did, can we fast and pray together for God to answer this question, for God to lead and give direction in this circumstance in my life? And that's fine. And even as a church, we can come to that point of asking each other together, hey, within this next week, and, you know, heads up, that's coming before I finish the service. And when I say that, and when we say that, the idea is nobody's going to tell you how long, and nobody's going to tell you when to start and when to finish. You know, the duration of fasting, we hear of the 40 days and 40 night fast. Could be for a day, could be for an afternoon. Could be for a relatively short period of time. It can be for a longer period of time. The Bible is never really specific on when you fast, you must do it in this amount of time. As in, this is the only way to fast. It can be for a day, it can be for 40 days. Where is God working in your life in these specific areas? So first of all, Jesus says, when you fast, don't advertise it. And then secondly, when you fast... Be assured, God answers. Verse 18, it says it like this. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. The last part of this verse says, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God blesses, God rewards, God honors. Put whatever word you want in there. The faithful obedience we undertake incorporating a command he has given us into our lives. There is nothing that we can do in obedience to God's command in our lives that will not bring God's blessing on our lives. Be careful how you define God's blessing as, I get prosperous, I feel happy all the time, I get my way all the time. But more about God's blessing, we sing of a blessed assurance Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And we usually think about that, and that means I walk on clouded, sunshiny every day. The flowers are blooming. But there is a blessed assurance of his presence, even as David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. And we can go on through that aspect. God blesses us as we are faithfully following him. 
Speaking of answers. Speaking of praying, fasting, and answers, Jesus had a very specific story to tell us. And heads up, those who were here Wednesday night, you already know what Jesus said. He told us a story that goes like this. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. This is in Luke 18, beginning in verse 2. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a neat little parable. What's the point of the parable? This is where, this is that aside. While you're teaching on one thing, you get to teach on something else. Never make a parable say more than the original storyteller meant for it to make. We get so bogged down in trying to get every detail of this. You know, how, but, and then it doesn't fit. So I'm guessing that, that, that the judge is supposed to be God, but he's unjust and he doesn't fit. And he, uh, and what about this, I mean, obnoxious widow or whatever, you know, whatever we want to say. What about all this problem? What is this? As Jesus was teaching and using this parable, verse 1 that I left out, gives us everything we need to know as to why Jesus told this story. It says in Luke 18, verse 1, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give what is the point of the persistent widow and the unjust judge? It is not, don't be like the judge. It is not anything other than this. Continually be faithful in prayer and don't ever give up. That's the point. Why is that the case? Why does Jesus say to his followers, I am going to share a story that the point I want you to get is that you continually be faithful in prayer and don't ever quit. Two things, because it's easy to want to quit. And secondly, because as we continue faithfully in prayer, God is faithful, and he answers prayer. In fact, the psalmist understood this quite clearly. In Psalm 65, verse 2, says, All humanity will come to you, the one who hears prayer. Now, my translation, that word hears is great, but it's, it just kind of leaves you like, well, that's great. You pray, God hears it, that's it. The word hear there means to answer. It means responds to says when you really hear something, you respond to it. You 
react to it in this sense is that you answer, you enter into that conversation that says that all humanity will come to you, God, the one who answers prayer. In fact, as Jesus continues on in the Sermon on the Mount, if you just kind of move your eyes either across the page or on the back side of the page, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Our God answers prayer now you're expecting the caveat so i'll go ahead and give it it may not be what you and i think or what we want we may be saying god give me this and god's going no that's an answer to prayer right so is this wait we're ready when we are asking for something for the yes here it is We definitely don't want the no, and when we hear the wait, it just leaves us frustrated. All of those are God's answers because in his perfect timing and according to his purpose, he has a better answer, a better plan than we are able to come up with in the moment. Sometimes it takes us waiting to realize what we think we want is not what we need. And so God's answer is, Wait, sometimes it's just flat no. No matter how many times you ask, the answer's not going to change. It's no. I mean, it almost sounds like going without saying, if we're going to ask for something that's contrary to God's explicit command in his word, the answer is always, always going to be no. So, good news. God is known as the one who hears and answers prayer. He has called us to ask and it will be given, to seek and we will find, to knock and the door will be opened. So here's the question. Are you ready to fast? Are you ready to fast? Here are a few good purposes for which to fast. That's what we've left out to this point. That's what we're going to conclude with. What does it look like to fast? What, what are some reasons I might benefit from fasting? One of them is this. And it's not going to be on the overhead, so you might want to write those down. If you're going, oh, I can't read. Or maybe just hearing one of these will stick in. That will be the one. One good reason is to strengthen your prayer life. In Daniel, in his life, in chapter 9, verse 3, he said this, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. That level of being able to humble himself before God included fasting and prayer. The idea of setting aside something, whether it is being able to say, I'm not going to have breakfast or lunch or dinner on a given day and in setting aside that time not even going okay at lunchtime I'm going to but maybe allowing yourself this also whenever that stomach does what mine is doing right now saying feed me and that's not because I'm fasting today it's because I haven't eaten anything yet use that as a cue that says hey I'm going to pray you say, I'm at work. Hey, I didn't say I'm going to pray for the next hour. 
I want to pray and say, thank you, God, for drawing me to depend on you. That's a prayer. That's what fasting does for us, dependence on God. In that moment where you go, I don't have a block set aside, but then take lunch and go, okay, now I'm going to take that time for a, a special prayer time, for the need in my life, whatever the situation may be, to strengthen your prayer life. Second good reason to fast is to seek God's guidance. In Acts chapter 14, we read of the church in Antioch, Paul working with them. It says, when they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The idea of appointing elders says that they then, to get God's wisdom and direction as to who should be the elders of that church in Antioch, that they fasted and prayed and they believed God lead, would lead them to those who should be filling that position for that church. Another good reason to fast is to express grief. In Second Samuel chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, we read, Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and all the men with him did the same. They mourned and wept and fasted until the evening for those who died by the sword, for Saul, his son Jonathan, the Lord's people, and the house of Israel. Sometimes when we experience sorrow and grief like that, it may become an immediate moment for fasting and it's just time to say, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm grieving. And I need you. And it's that time to be able to have that intense focus in our lives. One other aspect is to minister to the needs of others. Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7 read like this. Isn't this the fast that I chose? This is God speaking to his people. To break the chains of wickedness, to, uni to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see them, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? That opportunity to fast in ministry service, I'm going to set aside this day. And my fasting won't be focused on prayer or Bible study, but on service for others. Finally, one other good opportunity for fasting is to express love and worship to God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 37, there's a wonderful lady by the name of Anna. We usually read right past, say, here she is, and because she goes and says, here's Jesus. At that time of the, the advent, after Jesus' birth, all of that aspect of around the Christmas story, listen to this, it says... She was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. We typically run right past that. I have in even teaching this the and fasting there. This is the one I'm going to challenge us all with. We've heard today from God's word that it says, but when you fast look normal so maybe would you consider this week the opportunity to maybe have what we would call a fast of dedication Lord I want to incorporate this habit in my life and spend one day this next week fasting
It may be the traditional fast, setting aside food, and in that moment, every time that you have those stirrings of hunger and those kind of cravings, that says, Father, thank you for reminding me of my relationship with you and my dependence upon you and your call for me to incorporate this habit into my life that I would seek after you. And let that be that fast. You know, we think often of fasting being, oh, I'm, I'm up against the wall. Oh, I've got this difficult situation. Let's make the first fast maybe that you've ever done in your entire life be a praise and worship fast. Set aside the food going, listen, God, I need you more than I need this food. I need you more than I need this TV. I need you more than I need this social media. I need you more than anything. And take a day and fast with that purpose in mind. The Bible says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I pray that we would find that courage, that desire, and to watch God work.